First Corinthians six fourteen. Let all your things be done with charity.
like to say good morning. I'd like to welcome everybody to Sunday school this morning. Uh, it's good to hear the kids sing this morning. Um, I was thinking all week on you know Thanksgiving and being thankful and how thankful I am for my church and for my family. And most of all, I'm thankful that I, when I was a seven-year-old boy, I got saved. And um, if you're here today and you're not saved, uh, I hope you find that today. So, uh, what's up, uh, Mike Nichols of Mississippi School? It's good to be here this morning. I appreciate everybody for coming and excited about the basic doctrines class over there as well. I know Jeremy's been having a good turnout and uh, they're learning a lot. So let's continue to pray for them. It's a great class. Excited to see so many people coming. So today is the end of our, of, in our Sunday school uh, quarterly. Today is the end of this quarter. It's the last month in November and next month starts a new quarter. Um, so for the last two months, we have been studying the conflict that took place starting in about 45 uh, AD and continued on for maybe about 50 years in the church. And the conflict was really this. There were Jews that believed that Jesus was the Christ and they were saved. And there were Gentiles that believed that Jesus was the Christ, and they were saved. There were a number of the Jews that felt like they should continue to live in part or in whole pursuant to the old Levitical law. The Gentiles were not brought up under that, didn't want to live under that, and a lot of the Jews started to realize we're free from that. We don't have to live under that 
old Levitical law anymore. And so within the church groups that were in these different towns, there arose conflict. And so since we've been studying this for the last two months, Paul wrote uh, to the Romans in the book of Romans. He wrote uh, in the book of Galatians. He wrote in the book of Colossians. And he wrote where our lesson is from today in the book of Corinthians. Additionally, in the book of Acts, which was written by Luke, there is a lot of time spent regarding the conflict and the interactions and the things that took place discussing should we live by this law or are we really free from this? And of course, Paul's writings make it clear that they were free from that. They didn't have to live under that Levitical law anymore. Um, but uh, that kind of brings us to our lesson today. Our lesson today is in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And so let's talk just a little bit about Paul and the church in Corinth. So Paul was in Corinth in 50 AD, which was about 15 to 18 years after Christ died. So Paul was there on his second uh, journey, his second mission, and he stopped in Corinth and was there for quite some time and established the church in Corinth. He then, and Corinth is in Greece, uh, if you don't know the ge geography there, it's in Greece, and so these were, these were Greeks, Gentiles. Now there were some Jews that were there. Paul met uh, two of his dear friends who had fled from Rome during this time under persecution. They, they kicked all of the Jews out of Rome in about 48 AD, and they were, they were leaving and going all over. So there were some Jews there in Corinth, but it was primarily uh, Greeks. I mean, it was a Greek town. And so Paul was there for a while, and he left. And when he left Corinth, he went to Ephesus. And he stayed at Ephesus, which is in Turkey. He stayed in Ephesus for about three years. And so this writing of this book that we call the first book of Corinthians, the first letter to the Corinthians, was written in about 54 AD. So he was still in, in Ephesus just getting ready to leave in, in a short time period. So he writes this. I want to start back in the first chapter. Just want to read one verse. Uh, first chapter and uh, verse number 10. And it kind of sets up why Paul is writing this. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye shall all speak the same thing. Right, what's he saying here? And that there be no division among you. It's the whole reason that Paul writes the letter to Corinth is because this church, just in my terms, is, is coming apart at the seams. They've got so many divisions and factions and this group wanting to head this way and this group wanting to head this way and this group thinking this is important. So Paul's writing to him and he's saying, let's not be divided. Paul realized that divisions among the church and the church blowing up and, and this group being mad at this group was a huge challenge to trying to win souls to the Lord. Same thing today in our time, and that is if you've got a church that's going along and doing good, and we've seen this, 
and all of a sudden there's a big disagreement about, you can fill in the blank, okay? I mean, there can be disagreements about anything. We're all people. But there's a big disagreement, and the church has a big blow up, and some of the people just stay home, and some of the people move and go over here to this church, and some of the people stay here. The influence of that church and the people in that church, everybody has been diminished. Okay, so, uh, and that, that happens. But Paul realized that here. He's saying, let's not have division. He said, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. How are we perfectly formed together in the same mind and the same judgment? The Spirit. It's the only way it happens. You know, I love my dad. He raised me. He supported me. We're still very close. He's been my pastor ever since I got saved and joined the church. But he and I have things that we see differently. As close as we are, and he raised me and has been my pastor, there are things that we don't look at exactly alike. Jay Atkins and I grew up together. He got me in a lot of trouble when I was just a little fellow. No, I mean, Jay and Dale and I, the three of us, you know, when we were 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, that age group, we were together more times than we weren't together. I mean, we, we spent a lot of time together. There's things Jay and I don't see alike. We were raised together, same church, you know, same general background. So... There are going to be things that we don't see in the same fashion with each other. But Paul's telling them here, we need to be perfectly joined together. And I, and I agree with Bill. The Spirit is the way that happens. If we will all follow the Spirit, did you think I was going to say we'll all see everything exactly alike? Because I'm not. All right. Now the spirit doesn't err, but I do. Sometimes I'm thinking the spirit's leading me this way and maybe I ought to be going that way. All right. So even when we all are trying to follow the spirit and trying to pull together, we may still have disagreements. So I'm going to ask you a question. As a Christian, a saved individual, what is the most important thing that we can do? It's the most important thing we can do. I've been saved, got salvation, I'm going to heaven. What's the most important thing I can do? Coming to church is certainly part of it. It's, it's one of them, I agree with that. Leading someone to Christ. Right. That's it. Our focus should be leading someone else to Christ. That's, I mean, if you look at the, the commissions that Christ gave us and the rules, the old Levitical law that they lived under and the new covenant that we get to live under, and I'm glad I, I'm under the new covenant. Uh, that would have been a hard way to live, having to follow all those rules. Getting, but the most important thing we can do is live in such a way that 
we are a light to somebody else and leading them towards Christ. If we can do that, most important thing we'll ever accomplish. So let's move on over into the 10th chapter of Corinthians. And there are some different things that Paul talks about here. And I taught uh, during this time, back maybe in October, I taught out of the 14th chapter of Romans. And he, that lesson was a lot about what they were eating and, and the restrictions that they had had previously on eating and how it was offensive. To, and, and this has some things to do with what they were eating as well. And Paul makes some great things that he says in here. As far as I know, we don't really have that division now about should we eat pork, shouldn't we eat pork? And I don't think most people don't, you know, don't have that. I don't think we've got that here. Can we eat clams or oysters? You know, they had that here. Well, I don't think we have that now. But there, these are great examples for things that we may have disagreements on and we should apply the same principles that Paul is teaching them here. So 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 23. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. See, this group here in Corinth, after Paul left, they adopted this idea. They adopted, well, we're saved. We can do whatever we want to. Familiar with anybody that's got that approach in our world now? I'm saved. I don't have to worry about my soul. I'm going to do whatever I want to. So you think through that. That's what he's telling them here. He's saying, there are things that you can do and you can get away with doing, but it's not good for you and it's not good for the people that you're trying to be a light to. All right. Even things that, because you're not under the law anymore, so just in my way of saying it, for these folks, you know, you know your, your Jewish brother who was raised under the law and never ate pork his whole life is still bothered by people that eat pork. He just, he just doesn't see it. Even though he could, he just doesn't get it. So you go to eat with him and you order a pork chop. I love steak. Okay. Now, since I had my heart attack, they won't let me eat steak except maybe about once a month. That's all, that's all I get. It. That's sad for me. Think about your favorite food that you like. You know, for me, it would be a big ribeye, and I haven't had one since I had my heart attack. But um, whatever your favorite food is, okay. Now, consider that your somebody in your family who isn't lost, who, who isn't saved, they're lost. They don't know the Lord. If you eating that food was offensive to them, for whatever reason. Are you willing to give that up in order to be a light to them and try to help them get saved? So for me, if it was, you know, which all my children are saved, but if it was one of my children and I was really concerned for them and they said, well, gee, you've got to give up steak. You can't eat that anymore because that's offensive to them. Am I willing to do that? Well, yeah, I am. 
I think most of us, if our heart is somewhere close to right, would say, well, yeah, if that really bothers my child or my spouse or, or one of my parents, if it really bothers them that much, even though I don't feel condemned at all about eating a steak, I'll give that up if that would help me be a light to them and help encourage them to be saved. I think most of us would. Should we feel then the same about our niece or our nephew as we do our child or our spouse? Well, what about our fourth cousin? What about someone that's not related to us at all by blood as far as we know, but they, their family comes to church here and they're members of this church and it's one of their children that they're burdened for. And they helped you pray for your children and your loved ones when they were lost a couple of years ago. What about the people that only come on Easter and Christmas? Should we have a burden and, and be willing to reach out and try to help them? What about the people that have never come to church here? See where I'm going with this. I mean, we should really love everybody in a Christian spirit the same way that we love our own children, our own spouse, our own parents, all right? And I understand, boy, when my kids, my, my biological children were under conviction and, and struggling to be saved, that burden really weighed heavy on me. But I have had and carried that same type of burden for some other people and their children here at the church. And we should. It should feel the same. There shouldn't be a difference because it's my biological family or it's, you know, my church family or somebody within the community. We should have a burden for those folks. So Paul's telling them here, there are things that you can do under the law, but you should look around and you should put your brother, person that you're, you know, your neighbor, whatever term you want to put there, you should put their needs and their wants above yours. We should have a burden for them. That, them, being, them getting salvation and becoming strong in the faith should be our desire. Right. Anybody have any comments on that? Great point. Great point that Bill made. Probably everybody could hear it, but do you make a distinction when your child comes to the altar to pray and somebody that's a child from the other side of the church who maybe you don't even know that family real well and that child comes forward? Do you make a distinction? Do you not ever feel like going to pray? You know, for that child, you only ever go and pray for, for your own. Shouldn't be that way. It should be feeling the same for all. It's a child of God who needs salvation. Great comment. Somebody else? I, 
I love this. So this follows up here in verse 24 and says what I was just saying about Paul. He, he says then, let no man seek his own. He's saying, don't put yourself first, but every man another's wealth. Now, it's interesting in the commentary, and I didn't know this, but I'll share it. It makes a great point. The term wealth here really did not have a direct word when this was translated that, that fits. And so they, wealth was the closest. But this really isn't talking about, and it could be. I mean, it makes a fine point monetarily, okay? You know, if, our, if we know somebody doesn't have anything to eat, we should try to help them. But that's really not what this is talking. It's not talking about physical wealth. It's talking about spiritual well-being, all right? Don't always put yourself in the spot where, you know, you've got to be the one who's, you know, way up here to everyone else's detriment. Sometimes maybe you need to sacrifice and help your brother to help him who's in a difficult, low spot, to help him, you know, because in a month from now, he may be going along doing real good, and you might be the one in a low spot, and you may need him to kind of help you up. But Paul's telling them here, don't put yourself first. Don't do things just because you can if you know they're, they're injuring your brother in some form or fashion. So now we get into some dietary things here, and he makes some examples of them. Whatsoever is sold in the shambles, which is, a, the shambles is a, a term or a word for the butcher market, okay? I mean, in each town, they would have a market. It'd be kind of like if, you know, now we go to, we go to Walmart or Chiefs or Kroger's, if you live where there's a Kroger. We go someplace, we go over into the, and they got a, a meat department in there, and we go in there and buy it. Years ago, our family, we went to New York City and we went down to Chinatown and they've got fish markets there where they've got the fish and it's all, the smell's kind of rough actually, but it, it's pretty neat to walk through there. I mean, and look at all the stuff that they've got. I mean, and they set all that out there and they've got ice on it trying to keep it cool. So what he's talking about here is when you go into the market in town where that they sell meat, now keep in mind, these Jewish folks for years have gone above and beyond making sure that whatever they ate had been raised properly, treated properly, killed properly, and processed properly. It was that important to them. So now Paul's telling them, when you go to the butcher market, whatsoever is sold in the shambles, that eat. Wow, really? I mean, I don't have to get the history on this, on this meat anymore. He's saying, you don't have to live under that. If you go down there and you buy some, some meat at the butcher market, you can eat that. Asking no question for conscience sake. Well, they don't have to run the, the background on their, on their steak or their, their lamb anymore. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So he's telling them here, you don't have to live under that like you used to do. If any of them that believe not, so there's a non-believer in the community, and he says, hey, I'm having a party. The Buckeyes are playing that team up north. Oh, I didn't have to bring that up, did I? Anyway, we're having a get-together. Obviously, it's not a football party, but we're having a get-together at my house, and we're going to have something to eat. Come on over. 
and you be disposed to go, you want to go, whatsoever is set before you, eat it. You don't have to ask, why was that important? Think about that for a minute. Somebody from work invites you over and says, hey, we're going to have dinner. I'd like you and your wife to come over. Okay, well, you go. And you get there and you're like, well, where did this steak come from? It's offensive. You know, I mean, if I go over to Jay's or he comes to my house and we're having steak, he ain't going to say, did you, did you buy this at Chief's or where'd you get this at? You know, I mean, are you sure this was grain fed? You're not going to do that. It's rude. Think of the difficulty in trying to witness and make a connection with that non-believer who has invited you to their home if the first thing you do is sit down and say, now was this lamb raised properly and killed properly and prepared properly for my dietary issues? Because, you know, I still live under the law. It's offensive. It puts them off. It's hard to make the connection. All right. So it's important here. And he's telling them, you don't have to do that. We're making divisions out of things that we that you don't need to make divisions out of. But now listen to this, verse 28. But if any man say unto you, this is offered in sacrifice unto idols. And we've talked about this in the previous weeks. They would take this meat, offer it as a sacrifice to idols, and then they would take that meat and they would serve it or eat it. And in doing that, it give acquiescence to the, to the worshiping and the praising of those idols. And that was a real problem in that time. So he's saying, if you go somewhere to eat and they say, yeah, we sacrificed and gave this meat to the, you know, the idol of whoever, and now we've got it, and boy, it's ready to eat. Let's go to it. What's he telling them? Eat not for his sake. All right? It's not going to make you lost again. You're saved. All right? Salvation is eternal. It's not going to affect your salvation, but it's going to affect the person that you are with because they're going to say, well, I... I invited Blaine over and we had just, you know, had a big sacrifice to the idol of the sun. And he, I told him and he joined right in and ate with us. He must be all right with that. All right. Affects him. Doesn't, and it affects your testimony, but it doesn't affect your salvation. And for conscious sake, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So he's saying... We're free and you can do some things, but be careful with your testimony of what you do because you can affect your testimony. You can affect the influence that you have on your brother or your sister that you're trying uh, to be an influence on. Conscience, I say, not thine own, but of the other. For why is my liberty judged of any man's conscience? For if by grace be a partaker, why am I evil spoken of, or for what that which I give thanks? So he's, he's trying to explain to the people in Corinth here, what you do is going to affect your testimony. Even if you feel free 
to do it. And we'll go back to the pork because that was a, a, a just probably the easiest example here. The Jews wouldn't eat it. And so if you're going to church with them and you're both in the same congregation and you know that that is highly offensive to them, and you continue to do it because it's not offensive to you, it is going to impact your relationship with them. So which is more important? You know, in another place he said, the kingdom of God is not meat. So which is more important? So go back to my example. If it's your child and you know that eating a steak is going to be offensive to them, are you willing to give that up even though it doesn't bother you? He's telling them that we should be. Anybody have any comments? Verse 31. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. So whatever that you're doing, keep God first. There are things that we can do and there are things that we shouldn't do all right and there are things in the middle that may offend somebody if you do them but they don't it doesn't have any impact on you whatever route that you take put god first and be aware of trying to win that soul to christ that's the most important thing give none offense neither to the jews nor to the gentiles nor to the church of God. So if you know something that you're going to do that you're not convicted over, don't feel like it's a rule that, you're, that you have to follow, but it's going to offend somebody, Paul's saying don't do it. You're going to, again, impact your, your testimony. Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit. Again, Paul here isn't talking about wealth, natural wealth. He's talking about spiritual profit. But the profit of many that they may be saved. And then I love this. If our, if our pastor or another preacher came here, I'll ask this, and we're getting close to the end. If our pastor or preacher came here and said, I want you guys to do like I do. Act like I act. What do you think? Feel good about that? Do like I do. And that's what Paul is saying here in the last verse. Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. He's saying, I'm, I'm doing my best. Now, he's not telling them, put your faith in me. Back over maybe in the first chapter in, in Corinthians, he tells them, I've baptized a few of you, but you shouldn't be putting your confidence in my baptism. You need to have your confidence in the Lord. It's all about Jesus. It's not about Paul. It's not about Apollos. It's not about Peter or who baptized you or, or you know what essentially what faction are you in. But Paul's telling them here, I mean, it's pretty bold if you think about it. I'm trying to follow the Lord. Look at the example that I'm given and follow after that. I don't know if I could be comfortable. And in, in, I know one thing. I get up here all the time and say, boy, you don't have to look at me very long. You'll see I mess up. You know, 
And Paul messed up. He wasn't perfect. But he was trying to be a good example. We should all be in a position where that when there is somebody looking at us, and you notice I didn't say if, because there is somebody looking at you. And the likelihood of the person that's looking at you is somebody that you are the closest with, that you love the most, that you spend the most time with. When that person is looking at you, what do they see? You may be the only Bible that they read. You know, we've heard that before. I mean, I think there's even a song about that. Are you living and performing in such a way that they're going to see something in you that points them towards Christ. I'll finish with this, and if anybody's got any uh, comments, you can. I've said this before. A lot of you have heard this. But I, I hope that my life is like one of those arrow signs that's got the lights that lights up, and then at the end there's a big arrow. You know, you see them. If you go down, I know they've got one down in Pigeon Forge in front of the Comedy Barn. So it's Comedy Barn tickets this way. It's got the big arrow. Well, people don't go there to see the sign. That's not the reason. Now, the sign may get their attention and point them in the door, but people go there and buy the tickets to see the comedians up on stage. I want my life to be like that. It's not about me, but hopefully I can be a sign and be lit up a little bit pointing people to Christ. Hey, it's this way. Anybody have any comments? Unique, in a unique situation, they, they have a lot of new Christians in that church that have never been taken to church or learned a lot about church. And so, Terry and I have talked to the pastor and the pastor's wife both, and they have, they have I think, kind of this same thing. Watch what we're doing. I mean, they don't get up and say that from the pulpit or whatever, but but watch us and try to follow and, and do, and some of the, our people that are in our church that have been here for a while, watch what they're doing and learn from them. And that's, I think, what this is telling, what he's telling sure. these people here. The exact same thing. You know, not all habits are bad habits. Now, there are bad habits, okay, but not all habits or acts that we do on a you know routine basis are bad. I remember Cliff Newport. A few people here remember Cliff, but Cliff said he doesn't think about am I going to church when it's time for church. He said I don't think about am I going to work when it's time to go over to Ford where he worked. He said I get up and I go in. I'm there. Well, when it's time to go to church, I don't think well should I go today or not. I get up and go. I've made that. That's a habit that I've got. That's, you know. And the same thing can be said if you've got time set and you should to read and pray and do other things. So those things aren't, you know, just because it, you make it a habit doesn't mean it's bad. Now, I have, I'll tell on myself, I have come to church before and come in and shook hands with everybody, come up. I usually sit right over there, sat there. And was there, and the church had a good service, and I was someplace way off. Okay? I've had that happen. I don't like for that to happen. I try for that not to happen, but it's happened a few times. But I'm still better off being here than not being here. 
I've tried to read my Bible before and open the pages and the words just looked back at me, if you understand what I mean. I mean, it just, I couldn't tell you one thing I read or what it meant or what it was about. But there are some times where it's different. I've tried to pray before in the same thing. The words I say get about this high, if that high, you know, and they come right back. But there are some times where I get, I make a connection. So uh, Paul was telling them, and you have to, and he said, as I follow Christ, Paul wasn't trying to brag on Paul. We, you know, we have to have confidence there. And I've said this, you know, a million times. My problem, most of it is right here. Okay. This guy starts thinking about things and thinks how good he is or how bad he is and decides that Christ can't or I'm just not good enough to get there or I'm so good I don't need him. Well, either one of those are bad. We got to have our confidence there. So that's a good point. Anybody else? Thank you for your attention. Uh, let's pray for Brother Carl. I should have said that at the beginning. He's under the weather. He's normally here. Uh, and uh, I know we had a meeting yesterday, and he didn't get to be at that. Uh, but let's pray for him. Hopefully he's feeling better. And uh, either Carl or Jay or it might even cycle. I don't know. One of us will be back up here next week. And uh, I'm not sure what the, where the lessons are at next week. I know the new quarterlies are here, so if you want to get a, uh, a schedule of what to study, get one in the back. Thank you for your attention.